verse, chapter 19, verse 14. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people, consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Don't go near a woman. So Moses adds to what God said, which is tell them not to touch the mountain. Moses says, don't touch the mountain. And Moses thought, these folks are going to end up eating and drinking in the presence of God. How can I consecrate the people? And Moses adds to God's commandment, don't go near a woman. Sever sexual relations. Now, what happens later in chapter 24? You know. Do they die? Do they die in the presence of God? So when they got there and they started eating and drinking, you know what Moses did? They didn't die. It worked. What worked? They didn't have sex with their wives. They were consecrated. And then they got to eat bread without being guilty. And God didn't kill them. So do you know that the priest in 1 Samuel 21, when David says, I need bread. I'm going to die if you don't give me bread. See, the priest has a choice. How do I interpret the Torah? Am I going to be lenient or am I going to be harsh? And that's what this whole story is about. It's pretty awesome. Okay. The high priest doesn't tell David and his men that they could do something unlawful, by the way. He does not tell them, sure, you can break the Torah. It's fine. God will just, he'll overlook it. It's no big deal. He made a lawful ruling based on an ancient precedent that was set up by God through Moses. The priest knew the text. He knew Exodus 24 and went, wait a minute. Moses had the people not be with women for three days so that they could eat bread in God's presence and not die. Maybe me, Ahimelech, maybe I can give David and his men bread in the presence of God and maybe they won't die if what? If David and his men haven't been around women just like Moses. And now we understand why he says, hey, David, have your men been kept from women? David knows exactly what he's talking about. He goes, a loophole, a loophole in the law. And the, and the priest goes, have you been with women? He says, are you kidding me? It's been at least three days. They high five each other. Yes, you don't have to die. And David goes, I don't have to die. And his men go, we don't have to die. And he gets the bread of the presence and he gives it to them and they eat. And they wait for the earth to quake and the lightning bolt to come down. And they don't die. And the priest says, woohoo, the precedent worked. So it's genius, right? Guess who else knows the story? Jesus is walking through the grain field and his disciples, you can't do that. That's not in the Torah. And Jesus says, hang on a second, wait a minute. Let me use my lawyer. Mm. He's genius, isn't he? Guys, I'm telling you, oh my goodness. It's just, it's incredible because first of all, the Torah does not forbid someone from plucking heads of grain and eating them on the Sabbath. Okay. To understand this properly, we got to understand a Talmudic yeah, I just said Talmudic. It sounded like I hawked something up. Talmudic discussion on the topic. Even most Jews wouldn't get this right. 
referring to the washing of hands before eating. Something in the Talmud, which is a book that has codified these rabbinic discussions on the minute matters of the law. Okay, that's what the Talmud is. In the Talmud, it says, and I quote, even most Jews wouldn't get this right because washing hands before eating bread has become accepted as completely normative for all observant Jews. However, if you go back over 2,000 years ago, guess who the only people were that were commanded to wash their hands before eating? The priests. The priests were the only ones, the Kohanim. They were required to eat their food in a state of ritual purity. And they for, therefore had to wash their hands before they ate. The Pharisees, a.k.a. the rabbis, they took it upon themselves to, um, to conduct themselves like priests. They wanted a higher standard for themselves, which I think is pretty cool. Instead of lowering the bar, they wanted to say, how can we honor God even more? Well, what do the priests have to do? Well, they have to do a lot more than the common person has to do. Well, I want to hold myself to that high standard. So the rabbis took it upon themselves to conduct themselves like priests and they always washed their hands before eating and they only ate richly pure food. Washing hands before eating indicated you were a chaver, C-H-A-V-E-R, chaver, a learned person, part of the group of people who adopted this custom. So it wasn't a requirement for all Jews. But by not washing your hands before you ate, you weren't making a cultural statement. You were making a political statement. I don't side with the rabbis. I don't wash my hands in the way they do before they eat. Now, is it a sin? Does the Torah condemn the common person from not washing their hands ceremonially like the, no, not at all. But can you see how the evolution of that happened? The, the rabbis said, well, we want to be held to a higher standard. So the rabbis began to do it. And, the, and by the way, people washed their hands before they ate. I'm not saying people didn't wash their hands in the way that the rabbis did. So the rabbis went back, back, front, 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 back. And then you got to do it again the opposite way. Back, back, front front, front, back. Now, if you didn't do it like that, ah, sorry, that's not the way the priests do it. That's not the way we rabbis do it. You're not washing your hands according to the custom, which is the tradition of the fathers. Therefore, you're trying to tell everybody you're not like one of us. You disagree with us. It was, it was a big statement. In one story, Jesus gets accused because his disciples didn't wash their hands before they ate. Not because they were dirty and had gross stuff on them. They didn't wash them in the way they, and Jesus says, no, 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 no. Before you start accusing, now what are they doing? Walking through a grain field. The Torah actually doesn't forbid you from picking grain and eating it on the Sabbath. You know what it does forbid? Let's get into that right now. Let's get, what? Working. working that's right. And, and only one gospel writer mentions the disciples working. Which one? How did they work? Remember, Matthew, Mark, Luke, who's the only one that mentions Luke. Luke mentions they were rubbing the grains in their hand. Did you know this is work? This is not, but this is. That's work. And that's when the Pharisees nailed them. 
is when they rubbed it. And the Pharisees, I saw that. You're working. It's really cool because they're talking about these tiny little things in the law. And Jesus goes, hey, wait a minute. Hang on just a second there, buddy. It's so, so cool. Okay. So, um, the Pharisees of Jesus' day, they saw their role as the sole guardians of the truth. You can see how that would happen, right? We interpret the law and you just need to understand what we say. It was their responsibility to interpret the Torah for the people. Their interpretations were called the traditions of the fathers. The traditions of the fathers. That's what they called their interpretations. Traditions of the fathers is mentioned in the New Testament kind of a lot. It's really cool. It's also called the oral Torah. But guess what? They made those traditions of the fathers every bit as lawful and every bit as binding as the Torah itself. So when I say you got to do this, this, that, this, this, that, that became eventually something that you couldn't break because that was just like the law. So if I didn't do it the way the Pharisees said, I was breaking, according to them, I was breaking the law. And Jesus came to say, excuse me, that is not what is written in the Torah. That is your interpretation of what is written in the Torah. And when Jesus comes and supposedly breaks all these commands in the New Testament, he's not breaking commands. He's actually arguing with them on their own interpretations of the Torah. It's really cool. Um, listen to this. When the Pharisees saw the disciples plucking heads of grain, they could have interpreted the law mercifully. They could have seen hungry men preparing and eating. Instead, they chose to see the Torah in its most limiting sense, forbidding harvesting and winnowing. And that's what this is. They said, they're harvesting. They're winnowing. <laughs> winnowing? I don't even know what a winnow is, right? Winnowing. Oh, because they could see it clearly that they were doing that. And they felt, and by the way, when they're accusing the disciples of doing something, who's that really about? It's about Jesus. They're accusing Jesus in, indirectly. If your disciple is acting like an idiot and you say, my goodness, everyone, let's look at the idiot here that's following. What are you actually saying? Your rabbi's an idiot. Why? Because the disciples do what the rabbi does. If the disciples are breaking the Torah, what, what, is that, what kind of rabbi are they following? A real scumbag. He's breaking the Torah. Jesus never broke a commandment one day in his life. Had he ever broken even one command, he would have lost his credibility and he would have about run out of town and no one would have listened to one single word Jesus ever had to say. I'm talking about the people wouldn't have had Jesus broken one single command. Jesus does this scriptural precedent thing to show they were wrong. And I love the way Jesus does it. Please don't miss this. What is a Pharisee? What is a Torah teacher? What did they have to do to get to be that? How much? Yeah, so at least through 15 years of it, if not, if they went to Bet Talmud, they were 30. How much of the Bible they have memorized? <laughs> All of it. Yeah, thanks. All of it. They could flip it, turn it over, backwards, upside down, inside out. You give them two words and they can give you the next four paragraphs like that. Did these guys know the text? Oh, they knew the text. 
How well did they know the text? Unbelievably well. And do you hear Jesus? I'm sorry, have you never read? Stop right there. Have you never read? Oh my gosh, could you imagine? Could you imagine Stephen Hawking, if he were still alive, God bless his soul, in his chair, and he and I are having a discussion on how I think he's wrong in physics, and I say to him, Oh, I'm sorry. Have you do you know what addition is and subtraction? It's basic math. And basically what you do is you add, could you imagine how stinging of an insult that would be to a physicist who, who works with math every day? Here's this guy walking around. Ah, that's wrong. And Jesus says, oh, I'm sorry. I bet you've never read this story. It's in 1 Samuel. There's a book there. It's really like, wow, Jesus just nailed this guy. Have you never read the story of David? Which is to say, Oh, shame on you. Don't you know the story? Of course I've read the story. What, what's your point? And Jesus says, well, let's talk about it. It's really kind of cool. So have you never read this story? Uh, what David did when he entered the house of God. Now guys, Jesus showed the Pharisees that their traditional interpretation of the Torah in this matter was incorrect. And for his ruling, his precedent, he cites David's High priest, the same high priest who cites Moses to get his precedent. And who told it to Moses? Who established Moses's? God did. So who's Jesus' authority ultimately go back to? God himself. So when he says, you want to pick on my disciples for breaking your rules of interpretation? I got a story for you. You ever read the story of David and Abiathar? Yeah. How did he make his ruling? Well, that was from Moses on Sinai when Moses told the, and how did that happen? How'd that come about? Well, that was when God told, oh crap. <laughs> and he just kind of, uh. and it's funny when you read these stories, after these stories are over, it's like, and no one else asked Jesus any more questions. <laughs> it's like they just, they didn't have anything else to say. Yeah, exactly. It's, it was just an awesome way to shut him up. So you tell me that isn't absolutely brilliant. Instead of Jesus saying, well, that's not what the Torah says. The Torah says they can. He just says, well, let me, let me give you a court case that was decided on from another court case that was decided on, oh, I don't know, by God himself. And they're just like, God, how do we get this guy? Okay. Um, Jesus magnifies and affirms the Sabbath. He never broke the Sabbath. Don't ever think that Jesus, your rabbi and mine, ever broke the Sabbath one day in his life. He wouldn't. He couldn't. He'd be denying himself if he did. So what do we have here? What's really cool is the Pharisees, they jealously guarded their role as interpreters of the law. Guys, they vigorously resisted disagreement with them. Have you ever argued with a teacher here at Midland Christian? And they vehemently guarded their own opinion and they said, uh, no, uh, excuse me, no. And they just, they, they let you know, you don't have a place to, to disagree with me. Yeah, we've all been there. We've all had teachers that are just like, boom, right? The Pharisees were no different. Jesus, this great lawgiver in the flesh, he knew their reasoning was sometimes wrong. All of Jesus clashes with the scribes and the Pharisees regarding the Sabbath were over mistakes 
in their oral tradition about the Torah. And in each case, Jesus went to the scripture to teach what was actually intended by a particular law. And in doing so, y'all, he affirmed, he magnified the Sabbath commandment. Jesus never said it is permissible to break a law as it was given to Moses. He never would have done that. Many commentators, you know, people that write really smart stuff about Jesus and the Pharisees, they disagree about the validity of the Sabbath commandment. You may also. I don't know how you feel about Sabbath. But in fact, they were disagreeing about a portion of the rabbinical oral tradition that became the Mishnah. So in showing the Pharisees this correct interpretation of a particular matter regarding the Sabbath, Jesus was not undermining or, or uh, neglecting or negating the Sabbath, I should say. He was affirming it. Okay, last thing. The Pharisees who accused the disciples of breaking the Sabbath, harvesting law, they made a wrong assumption. Because they saw the divine law as primarily a system of limitations. You can't do this. You can't do that. You better not do this. Don't do that. And they assumed that the most restrictive interpretation was the most righteous. Jesus comes down and says, don't be strict. Be lenient. He quotes Hosea 6 and says, Go and learn what this means. Can you imagine the insult to a Torah teacher when the 30-year-old points his finger and says, go and learn. In other words, let the Bible teach you. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And they walk out with their heads down and, oh my gosh, I just got owned. Right? Because they want to be harsh and they think their harsh interpretations are the most righteous. Now tell me in 2019, you are any different in your church, in your family, in your life. Many times, do you always give your friends the benefit of the doubt? You ignored me the other day. You know, I really, I don't have to put up with that. I don't like when you treat me like that. You are interpreting your social media event in the most strictest, in the most limiting way. The one that interprets the offense as maybe they were just having a bad day. That's the person that's doing the very, very lenient translations and interpretations. Why'd you snub me the other day? That hurt my feelings, but I mean, were you just having a bad day? Did you even see me? Maybe you didn't see me. And the person says, I didn't see you. Oh, that explains it. When we jump to conclusions, we are acting just like that limiting, restricting Pharisee. And Jesus says, I came to show you how to interpret the law graciously and mercifully. How come you don't do that? I don't know, because I get mad at people. And Jesus says, what about me? Thank God we have a lawyer who knows how to exploit those loopholes in the law. Because Jesus can't break the law, but he can figure out a way to get you off of your crime using the loopholes in the law. That's our lawyer. That's our Jesus. That's our rabbi. Praise God that he is lenient and not strict. And then he says, just be like me. You just be lenient with people and not strict. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
All right. Any questions, comments, concerns, complaints, conundrums? <laughs>